Hello and welcome to Tag One Team Talks, the vlog and podcast of Tag One Consulting. We're commemorating the 20th anniversary of Drupal with an interview series featuring community leaders talking about their Drupal experience. I'm really excited to have Michael Schmidt, AKA Schnitzel on the show today. I'm Michael Myers, the Managing Director at Tag One. We're the number two all-time contributor to Drupal and we build large-scale applications for Fortune 500s and organizations in every sector using Drupal as well as many other technologies. We're also one of the few Drupal 7 extended support providers and you can uh, talk to us about continuing to run Drupal 7 after it reaches end of life next year. Reach out if you wanna learn more details. Awesome. Well, I want to introduce you guys to Michael. Uh, many of you know Michael as the group CTO of Amazie, which includes both Amazie Labs, which is a really well-known Drupal agency based out of Zurich, Switzerland, uh, as well as Amazie.io, a global managed service provider that delivers secure enterprise-grade web ops solutions and services. Michael is a prolific contributor to Drupal. He's worked on many contributed modules. He's committed code to Drupal core. He's worked on core initiatives, including the Drupal 8 multilingual initiative, D8MI. Uh, he's also made many significant contributions outside of the code base as well. He's led many trainings. He's run sprints and been a sprint mentor, many code sprints, and he's helped organize many Drupal cons, Drupal camps, and he is a regular featured and keynote speaker at these events. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up. Um, just set the stage. Uh, it'd be great if you could just give us, you know, a quick overview and background of your career, and then we'll dive into the uh, community side of things and talk more about your experiences and, and, and contributions to the community over the last couple of years. You've been a member of the Drupal community for uh, over a dozen years now. And uh, I'm curious, how did you first discover Drupal? Yeah, I had to look myself. Yeah, it's really 12 years. It's, it feels like a long and a short time at the same time. Um, yeah, I got in contact with Drupal around 2009. 2009 was the time when I joined Amazie. And at that point, they built uh, Amazie.com, which was built in Drupal 5. And I knew PHP-based CMSs a little bit. I had my own WordPress blog running like everybody at the time. And yeah, I saw this Drupal thingy and um, started to work with it and really fell in love with it pretty much at first sight. I remember like the views module um, was like this, oh, wow, this like this capability to build your own architecture of like how content is stored and then displaying it again, like this all made a lot of sense to me in my brain. And so that was really 2009 was the first time I used Drupal and really fell in love. And then I, I would say like I fell a second time in love when I went to DrupalCon Copenhagen in 2010 and really learned not only about Drupal, the code, but also Drupal, the community. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, you have one of my favorite usernames of all time, <laughs> Schnitzel. <laughs> and it's funny because I think a lot of people, like when they're they're part of Drupal for a long time, even you know people by their username, not oh, by yeah. their name necessarily. Uh, and I'll be having conversations with their people, and they'll be like, you know, this person. I'm like, who? They're like, oh, Schnitzel. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> oh, I um, have customers that that send emails to the support saying, hey, I talked to Schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> about this and this. And so, so my company had to learn my username as well because yeah, people refer me via that. Like that's all the names. And then you're like, you, you physically mean, it's like, what's your real name? Because I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is definitely one of the best handles out there. 
Uh, how did this? How did this happen? <laughs> is there a story here? Um, it's actually yes, there is a story, and it's a bit of sad story. So in school, I was overweight, and people called me schnitzel to annoy me, like because of the pork. Like I looked like a pork schnitzel. That's what they said. I hated it at the time, but um, somehow it stuck through school. And then you know you're like on this like this typical like you're opening your I don't know what it was Twitter or Facebook whatever, and then you're sitting on this username, and you have a blinking cursor. You have no idea what you write, and then you just yeah let's use schnitzel because and luckily I was early enough that in most places I I was able to to snack schnitzel and um and and use it like on on twitter um yeah i was one of the very first people that used it and got it there i love it you got to embrace it and it is uh it, it's it's a fantastic name i love it um so you know uh the amazing group um you know you you guys i mean you can't go to a drupal event and and not run into amazing you guys always have awesome booths you do so much in the community um but I, I never knew, like, how, you know, how did uh, Amazing Labs come about? How did, you know, did, you know, how did you come about with Amazing Labs? How did that lead to the Amazing Group? Can you give us a little backstory? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so when I joined Amazing in 2009, the team tried to build a social collaboration platform based on Drupal. And so that's, we have to see the context. I was just, just above their Facebook started to exist. And the, the founders of Amazing, um, they um, had this idea to build a platform where people can collaborate all over the world because the internet just started to really come into existence and it was much easier to communicate. And so unfortunately, like many projects, it was a feature creep like hell. Like we implemented everything you can imagine on world. Like we had a Kickstarter platform in it. There was a Flickr sharing service. There was like... Um, we had features at that time of like base camp of like collaboration things. And just, we thought like, if you build everything into a tool, everybody will use the tool, right? <laughs> but that was a good idea. Then we realized that if you build a thousand features, none of them are going to be good and all of them are going to be half bacon. And so, yeah, and it didn't, it didn't work out. Um, but we used Drupal and we learned a lot about how to build very complex Drupal sites. And so, over time, um, companies reached out to us and said, hey, haven't you built this big Drupal site? We need help. And so we started to build slowly for other customers um, all kind of platforms that were interactive. So like where people can log in and do something and we always use Drupal under the hood. Our, our big plan, of course, was we all used the code of amazing.com at the time and like resell it and white label it. But yeah, we, we started to divert so much from the original code that, yeah, at one point we just realized, okay, this doesn't make sense. And then Drupal 6 came out, which was much better. It was faster. Um, it, the modules were much better. And so, yeah, we, at one point, we actually abandoned amazing.com, the, the platform altogether, and just focused on being an, a web agency. So we converted Amazing into Amazing Labs and yeah, built Drupal sites um, for anybody that needed one, mostly focused on like um, more complex things, um, either very highly multilingual sites um, or with crazy workflows behind migrations, just the things that you can build really, really well um, with Drupal. <laughs> and that was what we've done 
for many years. Um, and in the, in, in, in the background, we always had this problem of where do we host these sites? Because they were rather big Drupal sites, just going to your standard PHP hoster didn't really make it. And we tried. But we actually got kicked out from one of them because the sites used way too much resources and because it was too big. And so we tried to like find people that really can do a Drupal hosting. And we couldn't find anybody at that time in Switzerland specifically or not even in Europe. Because at that point, Acquia and Pantheon existed, but they were only US-based. And tried to explain somebody in Switzerland that, they, that their site will be hosted in the US. And so, yeah, that didn't work out at all. And so we were forced to build our own hosting platform, but just for Amazy Labs. Like at Amazy, we have a clear understanding that every company has one business goal and, and one business model. And so if you are a web agency, you're not selling hosting at the same time because they can be contradictory for the business model. And so we had to do hosting though, but we just did it internally. So we were like a little team, me and Bastian, we were two people that did all the hosting for all the customers. And yeah, we, we built the hosting as we wanted it, as we believed it was the easiest to use. And then over time, Drupal took off in, in Switzerland and also Amazy Labs got well-known more and more. And so, yeah, I think there was one specific um, case where at the DrupalCon, I was having a presentation about like high performance or so. And the whole presentation question turned into a presentation of our hosting solution because everybody wanted to see like how easy to, because I did like a live demo and deployed on stage. And it's just like, it was super simple. And everybody had questions like, what is this hosting solution that you have? And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, it's our own thing. I cannot, I cannot show it and like all these things. And so over time, we, we got warmer and warmer to the idea to actually open it up for that to spin out the hosting part, we called it Amazie.io, and um, start to host for other customers besides just um, Amazie Labs. So we started its own company, hired its own CEO, had its own budget, its own team, marketing, sales, everything. So it's a completely separate legal entity today um, and do hosting for customers all over the world that really need um, very high performance, very high support. Um, we do all the support in chat systems, for example. And, um, and now today we go way, be way more than just um, Drupal. So we can host pretty much anything, uh, any web-based um, systems we can host today. The, the rare live demo success story. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Beyond success. That's pretty amazing. I do a company. They, they, they always say, never do a live demo. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... I always try to have a fallback. So I always have a recording <laughs> of, the, of the demo in case yep. it fails. But no, that one was a very successful live demo. <laughs> I think clearly that's the way to go. Do your live demo, but, but have the fallback. Um, Cool. I, I mean, that's, that's great. I had no idea of, of the backstory. Like I said, I've just, I've always seen you guys there for as long as I can remember. So it's, it's really cool to get a picture of that uh, necessity is the mother of invention and, you know, amazing. I always gone on to be this amazing success story. So it's, it's so great to see how, you know, one of the things I love about Drupal is it has given birth to so many careers and businesses. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, amazing IO and amazing labs are, are really great examples of that. Um, 
So let's talk uh, more about your your Drupal journey, your experiences in the community. You know, you're, you're a major contributor to the platform and, and have done so, as I said at the top of the show, in, in, in so many different ways. Um, I'm curious if you remember, and I know it's like a dozen years ago and I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Um, what was your first contribution to the community and, and how did it go? <laughs> More importantly, what was the experience like? Yeah, um, so for me, the very, I think the very first contribution was actually all directly a core commit. Like a lot of people start with contribute, like contrib modules, but somehow I think, yeah, and and story is this. So I was, after I went to DrupalCon Copenhagen, uh, I went to DrupalCon Chicago in 2011, and they, everybody talked about these code sprints. And at the time I, I understood like, of course, like how open source worked and all that stuff. And I said like, yeah, why not go to a code sprint? And I walked into the room and there were like five or six people. And I specifically remember it was John Albin and Louis Newman that were hacking on like, decoupled stuff for for Drupal and I just walked in and said like hey I'm I can help who needs help and they were like yeah hey great um do you have an Internet Explorer 6 <laughs> and I was like sure I didn't have one but I knew how to install it on my computer so I downloaded it and I tested their code and I found some bugs and and I just I had I had no idea what I'm doing like really like I just walked into a room and said I can help and and I changed some code and I fixed it and they just told me, yeah, just push it up there. And that's just how you create a patch. And I created a patch on this Drupal.org website. And yeah, I was like, okay, I guess that's it. And then like on the next day, there was the full code sprint with everybody. Um, and, and then like Dries went on stage and live committed something. And he said, yeah, we have this really cool, really cool, um, commit or of this contribution and like please come on stage michael and sean and lewis and it was like okay i guess i'll go on stage and then and that was the first responsive commit into drupal core to make bartic responsive so and i had no idea <laughs> like i just <laughs> i just worked on some code and helped and and that was really like and that was for me it was in two ways changing or like this changed my look. A, just the, how how these people there that were clearly like they worked on something really, really important. They allowed somebody that they've never met before, that they've never seen before, that should just added to their team and said, sure, you want to help here, do this and this, just this openness. And and also the, I would say the simplicity that it is that if you if like if you really want to change something or if you really believe into something, um, you can get the code change in and you can trigger something that I really think that like this like as soon as Drupal said we're gonna be responsive, um, and we show it with actually having code that is responsive in the core, um, yeah that this like then started other themes and everybody to start to look into responsive and continue there. Wow, this is uh, there are so many nuggets in there, but but there's a theme that I keep hearing. I spoke to to Angie Byron to Webchick uh, in the last episode. Um, she mentioned a very similar story. She went to uh, the Vancouver CMS Summit. She walked in and was like, you know, people like, you know, can you help? And she's like, sure, I can help. And she's like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it, it just, it, it, um, I mean, it blows my mind. And you, you two got, you know, you two are you know, famous, prolific contributors who have done so many things to the platform. And yet, 
you know, how did you get started? You both walked in the room and said, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it didn't blow up in anybody's face. It, it turned into these amazing success stories. So, you know, definitely something for, for people to take note of, um, you know, I'm sure it also blows up sometimes, (laughs) but, but clearly it is worth trying. Um, and then, you know, the other, you know, this onstage, you know, the, the live code commits, um, such a, a, a pretty awesome uh, thing to watch and, and see and be part of it. It's pretty cool that, that yours was the one that was done on stage. And, you know, yeah. that might sound silly to people, but I've been there and, you know, uh, and you said like the drumming on the table. And yeah. The like, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's I really awesome. like, I really tried like, because my experience was so good my very first time. So after every year after that, I was a mentor. I always tried that the people that I mentored. <laughs> so we tried to find the patch that might get committed on stage. I think I got it once that like my team, we had it. But yeah, that's, that was, yeah, I, that was a really good experience. Yeah. So Drupal is not a community, it's a drug and it hooks us. <laughs> we want Don't to say it too on. loud, but yeah, probably it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's that endorphin rush. It's, it's just, a, it's a good thing to be part of. Um, so uh, this is always a tough question to ask because you've, you've done so much. Um, is there, you know, is there something that stands out to you as I'm, you know, um, I'm really proud of this particular item, you know, there are many of course like you say but i think if i need to choose one it's all the work around the drupal 8 multilingual initiative and so for the people that don't really know in drupal 7 if you wanted to build a multilingual website core had support for multilingual but very very rudimentary and so you actually had to install 27 additional country modules to have a site that is completely multilingual. So that means that everything it can be a completely different language. That means from the UI, but also the backend and all the, all the storage solutions and different like versions of different code and nodes and all that stuff. And, and Gabor Hoichi, he really said, hey, this is way too crazy. And we see Drupal used all over the world in all different types of languages let's fix this. And he started the initiative and we got it down to four modules, I think, or three that were all in core. So we basically re-architected the whole system, took all these 27 modules and baked them into three core modules that you can install and, and this, um, or not. And so that was, that was the end goal of the whole initiative. And that was really the first time that I was part of something longer like it's not just one patch where you fix one thing it's this whole working on it and and what was really nice is this like like every DrupalCon and code sprint and camp i went you always worked on this like you had this end goal and you worked on it together and you saw people joining this little group of maybe 20 people that worked on this like most of the time and you saw people coming and leaving and other people helping out and like within like some of the people that I worked with there they're today they are core contributors to core and so that's really nice to see like how this like how um how this went on and yeah there are now today core maintainers and and work on it and stuff like that so that's if I need to choose one thing that's really the piece and also specifically that 
I know that every Drupal site that runs multilingual has code of mine running. Like, and um, and there is, there's also really cool. Like, there's some where at some point after Drupal 8 came out, there was all these people coming to the multilingual sprints because there were sometimes specific sprints just for multilingual. And they came in and this is like how happy they are that now it is so much easier to run it multilingual, to run Drupal multilingual. And that's really what I, that's what made you really proud is that all these people, sometimes even from like big companies coming to you and thanking you for the code that you wrote. So that's really cool. It's, it's really amazing to see your code power the internet. Uh -huh. I mean, and not like, you know, that sounds like silly to say, but Drupal powers, you know, several percentage points of the internet. And so, it, I mean, that's got to be pretty fulfilling uh, to know that. Um, and I, I think I suppressed the fact that I, I like, as you were saying, 28 modules, I started like, I was like, oh yeah, oh, I, oh, oh, I remember that. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And now it's so easy. Like you forget about how crazy it used to be and how it could possibly have worked that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about, you know, some of the great things, um, you know, we've all learned a lot along the way. If you were to look back at some of your contributions is there one that you wish you could erase out of history <laughs> or that you look back on and you're like, Oh huh. God, I can't, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> Probably if you would ask me to look at the code specifically, then yes, I will definitely find like lines or decisions we took that we just didn't have all the information at that point. Or like you, you assumed, or now you know that it's not correct. Um, but I don't have like, I can't tell you one specific thing that I'm aware of. I'm a person that very much looks into the future. So if something is committed in core, it's there. Okay, let's focus on the next thing. So I don't have one specific thing. Fair enough. Uh, how about if, if there's one thing you learned along the way in, in creating code for Drupal, is there something that you wish people had told you up front that would have saved you a lot of pain and heartbreak? Maybe not so much pain, but time. Like I, I had many times where like I tried to fix multiple things in one, like in one patch, because you're working on one thing and then you find another broken thing and you're like, oh yeah, let's just also do this. And then, and then you find another thing and you do this and then you have a patch and you have to go to like, to either Gabor or WebChick and you show them the patch and they're like, yeah, that's all great, but remove this and this and this and this. And so now you added it and now you have to remove it again because it's just like we have this understanding that you fix one thing in one patch because that you can roll back. Everybody can understand what it does, but if you add too much to it, it's it gets very messy very fast. And so yeah, I spent many hours of like adding stuff that I was very proud just to then have to like remove it from the patch again. I could still use the code and the change and create a separate issue and a separate patch. But yeah, that was many times that I just tried to do too much at once. And Drupal is very focused on doing one thing at a time. And so that's probably a thing that, and I honestly like this also has to do with life or with, with work in general. I think that's one thing I learned there. Um, and you will probably hear me many times of if I do code reviews, for my team at Amazio, and then I was like, "Yeah, that's nice, but let's let's separate this. Let's have it separate." And that's definitely something I've learned. And maybe if I had known before, I would have spent less time in refactoring code. 
I think it's a life lesson for sure. That's as you were saying that I was like, oh, you know, uh, I think that that's something that I, I forget too often, even like, uh, I remember uh, a few years ago, I started getting into like, um, you know, raspberry Pi and like hardware. It's like everything we do is virtual. It doesn't exist. So I thought it'd be super cool to start like building physical things. And I like jumped in the deep end and it was like a nightmare. <laughs> and, and then like, I, you know, I, I was like forced out of frustration to like build like a little piece and then build another piece yep. and build another piece. And it went from like insanely frustrating and like, you know, to like, you know, it's, it's like that solving that problem in code, huh. that like great feeling. And you just, you know, those building blocks and it's, it's so hard, especially when, you know, you've been doing these things for a really long time, you know, and yep. you think, you know, them and you take on yep. a new problem. And so, uh, I constantly have to remind myself of exactly that, you know, take mm -hmm. a little piece and, and build on it. Um, so what do you think the best part, like what's the best part about being part of the Drupal community? It's really the people like a thousand percent. And, and if I say people, I actually mean friends and, and like just, so many people that I've met that I really consider friends of mine that I've met through Drupal community and they live all over the world. And like just, and also this like, like you don't know really each other. Like if I ask people that are not so active in the community, I like describe your friends and they say like, oh, I've known that person since 20 years. I went to school together and things like that. And what I describe as friends, specifically of the Drupal community, yeah, I've met them three times in my life, but I, but I really trust them, or they also trust me. Um, like just with like, like I lived for for one and a half years. I lived in, or we traveled. My fiance and I, Ruth, we traveled in an airstream all over the U.S. And anywhere in any city that we knew somebody from the Drupal community. I was like, hey, can we leave our trailer here for a day or two? And they're like, yeah, sure. And do you need to like come and like use my house as much as you want? Do you need to do some laundry? And like, it's just like these fully trusting, like happy people that just know I would do the same for them if they would ask. And I think that's that's just something that I've never experienced outside of Drupal or outside of online communities where there's this immediate bond and trust and believe and help helping each other that in the normal world, I don't think exists so much. And I don't know why, but it's yeah. just like, like there is this common understanding that we, we like each other immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, there's something special about the, the Drupal community in particular. I've been a part of a lot of, technology communities and, and Drupal has that thing that I, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I think everyone in the community has experienced it in some way, you know, that people, people have, uh -huh. you know, gone out of their way or, you know, you, you put a, you put a, the way you phrased it, I've always thought about it. Like I've met you, you know, you know, whoever I've met you like a, you know, a couple of times, but I've known you for 20 years, you know, or I, you know, I see you twice a year but I care so much about you. <laughs> it's, it's this, it's this amazing bond that you have with people that you don't form normally in society. Um, and it's, it's really special to Drupal and, um, and Drupal has an, an amazing number of special people. It's pretty wild. Um, 
So do you have a, a favorite Drupal memory or experience? I think there are two that really stand out to me. The first one was the DrupalCon Copenhagen, the first DrupalCon that I went. And just like walking into a room with like 1,500 people sitting in like stadium seating and just all like listening to one person talking and like decide, like explaining things and and just like, and I think the closing keynote, we all sang together. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think there's, there's, there's a Drupal song, like you can be the module to my theme or you can be my theme to my module or something. Like it's a Drupal love song. And I think like a thousand people sang this song together about, about the PHP framework, like a PHP CMS. It's just like telling you this sounds so strange. <laughs> But being in it, this was like this, okay, we're all we're all doing something together here. And so that's that's like, and for me, it was my first RuppleCon and I had no idea what to expect. Like I, I've been at tech conferences before, but not like one like that where everybody was so happy and like worked together on these things and um, yeah, really pulled all on the same, like on the same, um, on the same side, I really felt. And so that was that was my first one. The second one is probably Drupal Dev Days in Seged. So there was a DrupalCon in Seged, and then there was another Drupal Dev Days. And what was really cool about that is because Seged is quite small, and there were like 200 people. And Seged is like really a sleepy town. And we basically took over the town completely, like as Drupal Day event. So like in if you went out in the evening to any restaurant, you saw like 90% of the restaurants were all the Drupal people. <laughs> so it felt like, yeah, we have like, we don't only have like, we have a Drupal town now and it's second. That was really cool. Um, yeah, because you could really like, yeah, with a, with a decent amount of people, you can take over a small town completely. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And it felt, so it felt like summer camp or something like, like even more, like all the other Drupal events, they also feel like summer camp, but that one was another level because yeah, you basically owned the town. It was pretty well. I mean, we, we've had Drupal cons in so many amazing cities around the world. And that's one of the things that I, I, I love about Drupal is, you know, I've gotten to travel the world and see the world through people's eyes. And when DrupalCon Seged was announced, I was like, Seged? <laughs> like not Budapest, like Seged? <laughs> like what's going on here? <laughs> I was really, and I was, and I was like, oh, I can't believe it. And, you know, it's, it wasn't easy to get to. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was no. a long train ride. Um, but it was one of the best Drupal cons ever because of exactly why you said, I remember like we drank out, like there was a, a row of restaurants and we like, we literally drank them out. Like and we just shifted from one to the next, to the next until they were dry. Like the, I mean, yeah. uh, it was so much fun. And uh, yeah, it was like a Drupal village. It really, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, expectations be damned. It was, it was definitely one of the best Drupal cons. Um, one of the things that I was uh, really looking forward to talking to you about is, you know, you at one point uh, wanted to get more involved in the Drupal Association, which I think is is really rare and something, you know, that I think more people should hear about because most people, you know, um, aren't giving time to the DA and it is so critical to, to Drupal. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's done, you know, it's only become more critical to Drupal over, you know, the last, you know, 20 years. And so, um, I'm, uh, you know, what made you, you know, you, you've been involved in so many different things. What made you want to get, you know, involved in the DA? Yeah, it was really about like representing other ideas or cultures. When I went to the first Drupal camps and cons in Europe, and as I was quite involved in code contributions, like we spent a lot of time together. Like DrupalCon was not just three days. DrupalCon started like four days before, went on the three days, and then you sprinted again another three or four days. So I spent a lot of time with a lot of people. And specifically in Europe, there was always this feel that the Drupal Association was all American based. And it was like, they didn't have a lot of people um, that were European. And so it always felt like we from Europe, we never really felt represented in the Drupal Association. And and that totally made sense because the Drupal Association itself was a US-based association. It was much easier for them to be in the same time zone. I run a global company now. Like I fully understand it, why they had most of the people at that time. Today, it's much better actually. But at that time, like why everybody sat in an office in Portland, Oregon, like this totally made sense. But it was just this representation and the DrupalCon Europe and DrupalCon US or, or North America was always different. Like it was always how it was set up or the people that went there, Europe was way more developers and the the North American one was way more like what we would call enterprise or salesy. And I didn't really see myself represented on the board. And then I talked to other people and that time like Amazie started to grow globally and we had people from South Africa. We started to have people from Latin America and they told me exactly the same. Like they said, hey, I also don't feel represented and and there specifically like I talked to people that asked me like how many Drupal cons did you go and I was like oh, I was like that was like my fifth or sixth and they look at you and like like you just told them like you've been to the moon three times because for them one of their life goals is to go to a Drupal con like for somebody to fly or pay a ticket to like in let's say in Africa it sometimes it's like the cost to go to DrupalCon is like half a yearly salary. And I was just like, so for them, it was really, really hard. And I just felt like there is not really this, not that the knowledge wasn't there in the, in the Drupal Association board. And I just wanted to bring that knowledge in. And because my company, we, I traveled a lot. I felt like I could represent all these different, um, different cultures um from because i meet these people on a regular base and i'm from europe myself so i know how europe thinks and that was one of the big reasons that i really wanted to bring in um in the end i didn't win um shamla won or she got elected she's from india also like a huge community that at that point and she also traveled around so i i, I was super happy with just bringing more different thinking and cultures and understanding of how should things work um, into this board that I really believed. And, and myself, um, I then joined um, the advisory committee uh, in the Drupal Association that specifically advised the event organizers on how to organize um, DrupalCon Europe. 
So I helped there. And so this whole idea of like outsourcing it to Quoni and stuff like that, that this was all done um, during the advisory um, committee um, ideas on how to make this more Europe. And I really believe today the DrupalCon Europe's are much more built by Europe itself um, just with the name DrupalCon on top of it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Drupal came out of Europe, the original Drupal association was out of Europe mm -hmm. and, and then you know we kind of we, we fell pretty hard the other way so it's great to hear that, that things are bouncing back um, you know we have benefited so much professionally through Drupal you know and you talked about how you know personally we've made a lot of friends what is the biggest impact that Drupal has had on you personally yeah the biggest one is I met my fiance through Drupal um <laughs> So I met Ruth um, first in DrupalCon Portland, then again in DrupalCon Prague. And then again, during Batcamp, I traveled to Portland um, because San Francisco and Portland is pretty close. Yeah, that was all Drupal. Like if without Drupal, we would not live today together, have a dog together, have a house together. I would probably not have moved like from Switzerland to the US. So. Yeah, that's singularly the biggest impact. Like it literally changed my whole life. And <laughs> so that's that's um that's definitely like the biggest one. Um in other ones, I think um yeah, I just met so many people and I have I really believe I have a better understanding of different cultures in the world through Drupal because I've met so many people, um, and not only cultures, but also like like I've met people with disabilities that I probably would have never myself had the courage to be very honest, to talk to these people and try to understand them. But just because I knew we have this common understanding of Drupal, just I feel it made me a person that understands more about other people. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the thing that I've gotten the most. I've talked about that a couple of times in the show. I, I, I like the way that you described it. I've, I've always said like a global citizen uh, mm -hmm. But I think that's a better way of describing it is I, I see the world through other people's perspectives in a way that I didn't before. And I feel connected to the world in a way that I hadn't been before. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, made me uh, a better person, grow as a person. Um, I, I, it's amazing. You know, I, I there are many people that have met their partners through Drupal, which is is really wonderful to see. Uh, there's been a Drupal wedding. Uh, yes. there's there a wedding in DrupalCon, so maybe you guys could, could do that. I don't know. <laughs> I suggested it, but it was very fastly declined, <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. But there are people there. Like we obviously invite people from Drupal to our wedding, but yeah, it's not going to be at DrupalCon. <laughs> there's a limit. There's a limit. Um, so one thing I, I do want to talk about, uh, you know, we don't have too much more time left, but this is a really important topic. Um, you know, Drupal's been around for 20 years. Uh, our professional lives, our personal lives have benefited so much from it. We want to see it have a, a thriving future. Um, what do you think the biggest threat is to Drupal right now? Yeah, I think the biggest threat to Drupal right now is that Drupal is good in a lot of things at the same time. And I think that's its biggest threat. And to elaborate this, now as a hosting company, we see what is happening in other CMSs or other frameworks, or just in general, how companies are thinking about their websites. And 
what I can see, and it just doesn't go away, gets more and more that decoupled or things are just more and more built with decoupled. And that means like React, Gatsby, Vue, Next.js, whatever you want to use. And it's all JavaScript based. Like that's clearly also because it runs in the browser. Like it totally makes sense. And so there is this decoupling between the, um, the presentation layer and the actual um, content where it is stored. So, and I think Drupal, because it can do both, like because Drupal comes with a front-end layer out of the box that is not based on, 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 these, on these frameworks, it's based on PHP code that is run on server-side and then sends HTML to the browser. Um, and it can also do all the CMS the actual content management stuff. So modeling of content, displaying content permissions, workflows, multilingual, all these things that is, it all has to do with managing content. We try to do or Drupal does both at the same time. And I like going back to Amazie, I think, or amazie.com at the time, I think we're trying to do two things and do both of them only like 50%. And, and at the same time, like if you look into schools and all these new companies that are coming up, they're all using React and all these tools. And if you show them Drupal, they install Drupal. And the first thing they see is a theme and they say like, nope, I don't need that. I already have a theme. Like I don't need the, I just need, and they don't realize that Drupal can actually be run by headless, but the headless is not the default. So I really think we're we should rethink how we present or how we market Drupal to the world. Um, that Drupal can be the perfect CMS. And I truly believe that Drupal today is the best CMS out there that you can, that you can get as open source. And it still is, and it will be for a long time. But unfortunately, we're, Drupal is marketed as this one solution with front end everything already together. And that's, that's gonna hurt us, so that's a threat. Um, to us, so I really believe that we should have better examples on how to use Gatsby, maybe even ship a version that has of Drupal itself that has no front-end layer, that has it disabled, um, that just for the editing interface, maybe still, but that like by default, it comes with Gatsby or with a React or with a Vue, so that if you go to Drupal, download Drupal, it asks you which flavor of Drupal do you want? And that I think would really allow Drupal to really, really focus on what it's really, really good at, what is the content management. It's literally called the content management system. And, and I think that's, it would be a radical change. It would be quite a massive change because I know there's all these people that work on making the front end better and the front end layer better. And I don't want to discourage or I don't want to say that that's just wrong, but I just, I can see from what is happening outside of our Drupal bubble, like all these companies and all these projects, they're all started with these decoupled sites. And, and I've been part myself on many projects and it makes so much sense to completely separate how you display the data to how you manage the data. So that's, I really believe we have to do this in the next couple of years or Drupal maybe will be taken over by some other open source tool that just focuses on specifically the content management stuff and does this better than what Drupal does. We have a huge advantage as a Drupal community. Like I've tried other CMS, open source CMS and they come nowhere close to the capability of Drupal. 
but it's just a matter of time that some other tool is going to rise up and will be better at Drupal and then it's completely over. Yeah, yeah, we got a, we have a lot going for it, but uh, we got to keep pushing ahead on these things. And, and I would agree, you know, there, there's, uh, again, I like the way you put it, we, we have some marketing and promotional and positioning challenges, because it's not the technology can't do it. It's just that people don't associate Drupal with it. Or, you know, like I've been to uh, you know, when, when you could go to events back in the day, <laughs> uh, like I remember going to events and like, you know, like startup hackathons and things and like no one used Drupal. No, like no one even considered it. Like it wasn't in their, you know, their mind frame and they could like scoff. I would say like, I'm curious, like, why did you, you know, like you could have used Drupal and done 10 times as much in, in, in the time that you had. And, you know, and they just, you know, oh, it's, it's PHP. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's monolithic, you know, they, it has a lot of, um, you know, uh, FUD around it that, yep. you know, that, that we need to kind of kill and, and, uh, and address. And, and you can do all of these things with it. And it's just about better position and, and packaging, both from a code standpoint, the packaging and, and from like a go-to-market standpoint. Um, so a uh, quick lightning round, uh, just to, to wrap us up. Uh, who are your Drupal mentors? I would definitely say Gabor Hoichi. Um, he was the lead of Drupal 8 multilingual initiative and I've learned a lot of him. And then also Webtrick um, because she was always like, if you, have any, if you had any questions, she always found time to explain it to you and, and learn. And she, yeah, she was always very humble. And then also XJM. Um, also very similar um, to just like a person that it didn't matter which time of the day that you found her in, in a code sprint room and she maybe didn't sleep for many, many hours. But if you had a question, they sat down and helped you and explained it to you as many times you needed to know, hear it. Three amazing people. Favorite Drupal module? I definitely think the translation management tools or TMGMT, because it's a whole tool that we created from scratch. I was involved from where there was zero line of code to now today, it's a whole suite of handling your translation management stuff. So that was, that. that's definitely a piece I'm proud of. And where do you go to learn about uh, Drupal when you are looking to catch up on news or Mostly actually on events. I feel like at the events, I, I hear, I met the, meet the most people and I talk to them. If there's no event, um, either just Drupal Twitter, like following the people there. Um, that's mostly. And then I don't have a specific favor of podcast, but I think all the ones that are specifically focused on Drupal, they're all great. So enter Drupal in your podcast app and listen to them. Wait, wait, did you say Tag One Team Talks is your favorite? Uh, yes, I mean, yes, it always comes on top. I don't know why, but somehow I always listen to that one first. <laughs> All right, to, to wrap us up, uh, who should I interview next? Oof. I don't know. I don't know. I think you... Um... There are so many awesome people out there. And I think all of them, I would say, should interview all of them because I, I think everybody has such unique stories and, and ideas and, and experiences. And yeah, capturing all of them would be great because this, this is truly a unique community. 
and so and I think everybody's voices should be heard. That's a great answer. I, I wish I could do this every day. I'm trying to limit it to like one a week, max two. There are so many amazing people I want to see. And because we haven't been able to do events, it's so great to, to, to see everybody and catch up. Uh, Michael, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, to all of our viewers and listeners, we really appreciate you joining us as well. Uh, if you like this talk, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share it out. You can check out all of our interviews in this series at tagone.com slash 20, as well as our past Tag One Team Talks, Michael's favorite podcast and blog, uh, <laughs> at tagone.com slash talks. Um, as always, we love your input, feedback, suggestions, folks you want to see us interview. You can write to us at talks at tagone.com. That's tag the number one.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.